What do you get when you mix social distancing, being furloughed, and God, please get me out of the house? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hey there, guys. It's Thomas Green. And I'm Alex Dewis. And this is Movies After Work. We are happy to be back yet again this week for some more fun. How's your week been, Alex? Uh, it hasn't been too bad. How about yours? It's been okay. It's um, been very uh, ex exceptionally hectic. Uh, yeah. Made a... Uh, had to had to help out a friend, and which resulted in a drive to Delaware and back, all in the span of okay. one day. Uh, again, we are near. I'm near Erie right now, Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Just to give people reference, um, and then we discovered like a day after, I think. Um, we, she caught someone doing a dump and dash of two kittens. Yep. Um, which, yeah, if you ever catch someone doing that, she wasn't able to, but if you ever get, if you're, if you ever catch someone doing that, get the license plate, make sure that the fucker gets in serious legal trouble for what they've done. Yeah. Cause that's just yeah. disgusting bullshit. Um, so yeah, so all that and uh one more thing we'll talk about in a little bit here but um yeah first real quick uh not a lot to talk about with movie trailers uh they released a trailer for Monster Hunter that's it it's all it deserves i've seen the first and the last resident evil yeah there's nothing to be said Oh, he, just wait for our uh, fix a franchise with Resident Evil. Oh, oh, <laughs> God, don't make me. Oh, <laughs> I only have like one thing I'm keeping, and it's one of my acting teachers who was in one of the movies. That's it. That's all I'm keeping. All right, sounds good. <laughs> um, I'm just telling you, whenever you whenever you give that information out that you've only seen a couple of a terrible franchise, somebody's gonna. Somebody's going to call upon us. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And uh, to answer a question that was brought up to me uh, during that time period, there's no fixing or saving Fast and the Furious. It is what it is. There's nothing that, there's nothing that can be done about it. We just, sometimes you just got to let it die on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get that. I just want to get that one out there. Nip that one right in the bud. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, there's enough reasons to to look at the Monster Hunter trailer, watch it, and go, okay, I'm good. So with that, yeah. I'm good. Um, now, uh, what we're doing for for tonight's show, I've I've seen some other podcasts do this, and I think it's a fantastic one. So I thought we'd do it. Uh, but I also thought it'd be very fitting because uh, as of last week, around the time that we were recording, but I didn't want to say anything at the time, I finally secured a job. So I'm no longer unemployed. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And I'll be starting that job this Tuesday. So by the time the next episode comes out, 
it will actually be a movie after work for me. There you uh, go. Um, instead of a movie <laughs> after I've lost all sense of time. <laughs> uh, so it seemed fitting for us to uh, join the bandwagon and do our top five movies that first time watch movies during quarantine. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're never on the bandwagon. We're always like chasing behind it, waving, trying to catch up. We're, we're those guys that were like riding horses as a train went past and thought, Oh, that's a good idea. I should try that sometime. All right. Giddy up. Well, I misunderstood whenever, um, maybe I didn't misunderstand, but I didn't, didn't question enough that this was, this was supposed to be movies we had seen for the first time. So all, almost all of my picks are, uh, are, um, series, but, uh, but either way, well, I, think I, it, I think it works. Well, and I think it's, I think it's important just to qualify, like most of my picks are going to make it sound like I've been doing a much more sophisticated, um, watching of things during this quarantine. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make it very clear. These are very much the odd men out. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of me rewatching the DC f- universe or watching for the first time, certain movies in the franchise, mm-hmm. uh, watching some movies that were just utterly disappointing that, I realize now we're forgotten for a reason. Um, And rewatching TV shows that I've watched 50 million times. Um, Yeah. I I am not ashamed to admit that there have been many nights where I've gone, man, I should really watch something new, like get a new movie under my... I'm going to watch Impractical Jokers again. What am I... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sit here and laugh as they scream Larry. For the 50 millionth time, instead of watching some gripping drama that's got award season buzz or... Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, made it well, onto the National Film Registry. <laughs> I had, I had, uh... I've seen somewhere before that, like, people who, who suffer from, um, depression or anxiety, especially anxiety, like to watch things, like to watch movies or series that they've watched before, just because they know exactly what's going to happen mm-hmm. like that is and you know i don't have diagnosed anxiety you know i'm a, i'm a millennial with a kid who is acutely aware that our planet is headed towards oblivion so like i just have generalized anxiety <laughs> but uh <laughs> like um <laughs> i think we all fall into that trap there's so many of us who i mean i know like i can't come home without my sister having the office on for, you know, I, I, I can't even imagine how many times she's watched all the way through it now, but I mean, yeah. I, I sit there and I enjoy the same episodes that I've seen over and over again. So it's, it's a trap we all fall into. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, th- I think it was a British study. The one that you're talking about that, um, yeah, says the people with anxiety and depression are, are prone to, uh, rewatch, um, old thing things they've seen before as opposed to watch new things mm-hmm. um and yeah for the reason that there's no stress about wondering what's going to happen you know what exactly what's going to happen yeah um yeah. so you can even watch something that's you know super depressing or super dark 
because you know how it's going to end. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that I mean, that definitely... I definitely qualify into that. I've... Um, I mean, I've rewatched Avenue 5, Impractical Jokers, Better Off Ted, uh, Key and Peele, and uh, Superstore and Happy Endings. I've rewatched every single one of those series from beginning to end since March when I got for, when I got laid off. Yeah. Uh, at least once. Some of them multiple times. Oh, and the animated <laughs> Harley Quinn. Um, yeah. I mean, Avenue 5 I've rewatched over and over like five times, but it's only eight episodes, so <laughs> it's, gotcha. it's easy to rewatch. <laughs> there, uh, when, when you had said, um, you know, it's easy, it's easier to watch something that you've seen before, even if it's, you know, depressing or, or whatever it might be. Um, it still gives you some comfort because you know how it ends. I, uh, I remember I just showed my girlfriend recently in Bruges and, uh, mm. she's like, well, well, how would you describe it? And I was like, it's, it's pretty much a dark comedy. And I think that's true. I think it is a dark comedy, Yeah. but <laughs> I, we're getting towards the end of the film. And, you know, there's there's really only a couple scenes of violence, but it's pretty intense violence. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's the part where, um, oh, geez, I can't remember the, his character's name. So Brandon Gleason um, no. jumps off the tower to commit suicide, but to alert uh, Colin Farrell that um, Ray Fiennes is, is coming down the steps. Yeah. And she, she turns to me and she's like, did you not say this was a comedy? <laughs> and I was like, this is a very, very dark film that makes me feel very good. <laughs> like, it makes me feel very comforted. It is, I would say the movie is a dark comedy, and then it, and then it turns into a midlife crisis during the third act. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think that's, that's fair. The, I think it's, if, you're, if we're going to talk genre for In Bruges, I think that's the best way to describe it, is... <laughs> And I, I think with all with all of Mitton's, um films at this point, one, at least one act is a midlife crisis. Yeah. Because um, I'd say, I'd say the same thing happens with um, with uh, like three billboards. You get a first act that does a really good job of establishing everything, and then it gets into a midlife crisis where all of a sudden you just don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, but like all of a sudden, next thing you know, you've got Woody Harrelson shooting himself and Francis McDormand yeah. going on a date with Peter Dinklage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get, and then you get into the third act, and it, it becomes, you know, becomes the movie that it rightfully got some award acclaim for. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, I, yeah, I can definitely, I can't even imagine showing my wife in Bruges uh, with the promise <laughs> that it's a dark comedy. Um, at, at some point she would just get up and go, no, I, I, I gotta, I gotta walk away from this. I, no. You got, you got to stress the dark. <laughs> first, first half leaning more on the comedy, second half leaning more on the dark. <laughs> this is not so much a dark comedy as it is a didn't pay the electric bill comedy. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so with that being said, let's uh, go ahead and dive in. We're going to do this, uh, as we've done before, uh, tennis style, back and forward. Uh, so, uh, Alex, why don't you go ahead and give us the your first one? 
Um, so my first pick is going to be one that we've talked about on here, but I think it um, is worth repeating again. Um, the Boys Season 2, I think that was um, enjoyable for for most of the season. Um, we can talk about you know, the problems we had with it, but it was, you know, I don't, I don't have cable. Um, I basically just have, you know, the, the main streaming services. Um, but I actually liked the episodic week to week appointment viewing, um, of the boys season two. Uh, it was, you know, it, it was the first time in a long time that, um, I've had something to, you know, at, at least on TV reoccurring, have something to look forward to on a designated night, um, rather than, you know, the standard Amazon or Netflix or Hulu, uh, method of just dropping the entire season at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that allowed people to discuss it, um, week to week more, you know, to have a dialogue about it. I think it was able, you know, able to be in the public consciousness for longer. Um, you know, you didn't need to watch the entirety of the season to, you know, feel like you could hear something about it or listen to a podcast where somebody might discuss it. Cause you know, we were all basically watching it together. Um, which I thought was nice. It was something that we, um, uh, you know, we as a collective needed. Um, cause I know a lot of, uh, podcasters, content creators that I listen to, you know, when they discuss a series, especially one that drops on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon, you know, they're discussing it front to, you know, beginning to end. Um, so it's, you know, it's a process of watching the entire season to be able to then consume any content around, you know, any reviews or any discussion about what, you know, what the season meant or, or anything like that. Um, for overall, I enjoyed it. Um, we've talked about it on here before. I don't well, think I like it as much as, uh, season one. Um, there's, there's parts of the season finale that I was upset with and parts of the season finale that I really enjoyed. Um, have you, have you watched it? I have. Okay. Um, I, it's bittersweet. Um, I don't love, I don't entirely love the place we ended up because it feels like we ended up on basically episode seven of season one, uh, you know, in regards to where all the characters are. Um, every, every piece is kind of just put neatly back into its place. And the things that we did introduce into the season are more or less gone. Um, you know, season one, it was, it was a question as to whether or not Butcher's wife was really, was really gone. And we got that question answered just to have her be pulled away again. And it seems like Ryan, um, you know, Homelander's son was introduced and it could, it could go either way as to whether or not he's, he's still a part of the show, um, in season three. Um, I think it was nice that we got mother's milk, you know, back with his, uh, wife and daughters, but, um, you know, it just, it, 
it wrapped up almost too neatly. Um, how did how did you feel about the uh, season finale? Um, well, well, let me ask you a question because it's it's going to play into into my answer, and my question is just simply: Did where we left we left things at the end of the season? Did it compel you to watch? to to be excited for a third season or to want to watch a third season? Um, I mean, I will watch a third season. I do think most of these characters are compelling. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the, the the point has been made, you know, multiple times by, by quite a few people now that this could feel like a series ending. This could feel like a, well, if, you know, whether or not we get a season three, this is a this is an end point. Um, so yeah, most of the characters have happy endings. The Homelander kind of gets his comeuppance. Stormfront gets her comeuppance. Yeah, you know, it's just it's got a nice bow on it, and I think it might be too nice a bow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for myself, I I am now fully content to not continue on with the series. Um, they left me nothing to be invested in. Uh, the, where we've left things is literally just nowhere, not with nothing but a light blackmail subplot in the seven. Mm-hmm. And... Butcher and the gang becoming a legitimate team instead of an underground team. Yeah. Which just raises more risks of losing what works about the team to begin with. Yeah. While Huey slowly begins to realize that his boss is a soup who's trying to... Basically trying to keep a crisis going because the crisis existing is better, better for her career. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't understand why people thought it was confusing, why she, she would have done the things that she did. It's very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, everything, if everything gets completely brought down, her entire platform is gone. Yeah. So, but none of that is compelling to me. None of that's exciting. Um, like I mentioned on Twitter, if I was the actor who played the deep, I'd be telling them to just write me off into the next season and not even waste time pretending to have anything to do with me. Um, (laughs) he was complete, like, it was almost offensively pointless. If you, if you had, if you, if you just kept the deep out of the show and at the time that a train gets let go from the seven, and like films his final scene, and at that point you had somebody from um, the church come and talk to him instead of it, like, and it could have literally been anyone come talk yeah. to him and bring him into the fold. You could still do all the stuff with A Train, getting the files out and whatnot. Um, you could still do everything that gets done. That's important to story arcs that actually played out yeah without having him uh i to me the show is just it's 
they have an ensemble and they don't know how to write an ensemble. Because, like, at the end of the first season, one of the characters I was most excited to explore was Maeve. Yeah. And she was wasted this season as well. Yeah. Um, if you were not, I mean, honestly, if you weren't Homelander, you had nothing to do this whole season. Yeah. Like even, even Butcher with his wife had like nothing to do. The Homelander had all the stuff to do, but because he got so much attention, because so much light got shined on him, he became cartoony. Yeah. And it became more ridiculous to me than it did scary or anything else like that. So I just, yeah, I, after like the fifth episode, I stopped watching until the finale came out. And then honestly, I just watched the previously on in the, the, the eighth episode and then <laughs> watched the eighth episode. I, I didn't actually watch episode six or seven. Yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't, I just didn't see the point. I was perfectly yeah. fine with what I had seen. <laughs> um, I, I was like, anything that's actually, I was like, there's only like two plot lines that exist on the show right now. That's, they'll, they'll be able to cover both of them in the previously yeah. on. I don't need to subject myself to watching <laughs> any more than I want to. I'm just going to watch this finale, see if they pull it off and then be done. And, that's fair. So yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, what is your first, uh, first pick for uh, what you've been watching my first pick is the amazon prime original film blow the man down uh now this was a film that came out i think around the i think i watched it right around the time that it got released and it was it's um two girls in a small fishing town when their mother passes away uh, they find themselves inadvertently pulled into the underground of their mother's secret life, essentially, mm-hmm. and dealing with the consequences of both their actions and the actions of others. Um, this movie is really good. It is... The, the movie it can close most closest be identified to towards is Fargo. Okay. Uh, it's not as comedic as Fargo is, mm-hmm. but it's still that sort of slightly surreal, like all the fishermen in the town are the Greek chorus. Gotcha. So they constantly, like you'll constantly suddenly have them somewhere singing together. The, including at the beginning of the movie, when they sing the shanty, blow the man down. Um, mm-hmm. And, there's like a professional singing group that's absolutely amazing playing the fisherman. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the movie the movie's very skillfully done. It's very succinctly written. It's got a great button ending to it that just works. Um mm. it and it's got some really fun uh expectation subverting. Yeah. So it takes it takes some Angles that you would normally expect to see in these kinds of movies. And never plays through the whole way with them. 
you know, always stops just short of where you expect it to land. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that with the movie as well. The and the the two leads were phenomenal. Um, the the supporting, I mean, the supporting cast includes June Squibb. <laughs> like Im- immediately, if you tell me that you've got some weird dark comedy ish crime movie that has June Squibb in a supporting role, you've got my attention. Because <laughs> June Squibb is amazing. June Squibb is Betty White for people whose humor isn't just, oh, she's old, that's why it's funny. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but yes, that's, I mean, that's a, it's a Amazon Prime original movie. I highly, re- I mean, you know, I recommend that people watch it. It's, it's not super long, so it's it's an easy enough, easy enough film to just give a quick digest to. Uh, it's got some really creative moments in it, and you know, I mentioned the, I mentioned the people that made the movie before. Um, they were in charge of directing, some something. Oh looking at my old notes. I put them in charge <laughs> of directing my Frankenstein for our version of the Dark Universe. Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that should also kind of give you an idea of how much fun you're going to have watching the movie. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Alright, what is your number two? Uh, my number two is a show that people have been, you know, begging me to, to watch or give a try to, um, and it's got you know, something like six or seven seasons now. Um, but I had just started it during quarantine and I'm, you know, maybe halfway through season two, but it's a show that I'm enjoying. And, um, I watch basically with my sister, uh, and that's Brooklyn nine, nine. Um, very funny show. Um, it's got a great cast. I, you know, obviously enjoy Andy Samberg. I love the supporting cast. Um, and it's, you know, it's just fun. It's it's a super easy watch. It's not a whole lot of commitment. It's you know, it falls in the same same sort of vein as Parks and Rec and um, you know, so, sort of like The Office. Uh, but I think the the cast and the chemistry between the the castmates um, just really makes the show. Uh, you know, the sort of inside jokes that they have and um, Andy Samberg's little catchphrases and, and delivery. Uh, and, uh, um, Boyle on, on the show, uh, is, is great. You know, it's, it's, it's just something that has been, you know, it's like popcorn. It's just something to put on. Um, and it's something that's, you know, been, been fun. And I'm, I'm glad that I had started watching it. I'm so glad that you're listening to other people's recommendations. (laughs) recommendations. <laughs> At least one of my fucking recommendations to you for a TV show better be on this goddamn list. Cause yeah, to hear you be like, Oh yeah, we're watching this like six, se- seven season show. People keep telling me to watch it. I'm literally sitting here as you're going, people keep telling me to watch. It. I was like, okay, well he said people and not me. So he didn't choose. It's not something I've told him to fucking watch. <laughs> So, you know, okay, so <laughs> I know I wanted, I wanted to include, 
the Harley Quinn animated show on here, but I've only watched two episodes. So I did not think that was fair to include that one. That's an honorable mention. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not stopping quarantine anytime soon. So no, I know I've got I, plenty of time for Orphan Black. I, I, I know this quarantine is is basically the new normal. Um, <laughs> it's it's the future yeah. as we know it. It doesn't mean I have any less free time or um, any more free time. Yeah, but. <laughs> But it, we're gonna have a talk once we're done recording. <laughs> um, yeah, I, wa- I okay. So yeah, I watched the first season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, back when they were only, I think, on their fourth season, I watched it. Um, and again, for for people that I haven't told this to fifty million times, I never watched shows during their first season, so I haven't watched a second of Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah. I never watch a show until it's gotten a second season renewal because if I do, it gets canceled. I believe yeah. I'm, I believe I'm literally up to a dozen TV shows I've gotten canceled, um, and all of them. Sometimes good shows. season two, hmm? you, you you killed Happy. I I I wish I could blame me on Happy. That's just Sci-Fi Channel just going, hey. Um, what do we want to keep? Do we want to keep the the subverting expectation, brilliantly done, crime, comedy, sci-fi show uh, uh, with Chris Maloney and Patton Oswalt? Or do we want to do this stupid magician show that one time had a rabbit telling everyone to eat its ass on it once? <laughs> yeah, let's keep the teeny bopper show. Let's keep that little fucker. I, I'm hating on The Magicians literally just because it's gotten more seasons than any TV show that I've liked that's been on Sci-Fi Channel. That's literally the only reason I hate it. I've never watched it enough to judge it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I watched the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know why. I just never turned on the second season. I don't I mean, know I don't know why. It, I just never did. Yeah. And, I mean, you're... No one... I mean, it's a good show. I'm enjoying it, but it's kind of... It's it's trying hard to be a lot of other shows, and even in, um, you know, even at the season finale of season one, they're planting the seeds for like we gotta have our Jim and Pam. Like every every TV show has to have their Jim and Pam. So you know, well, here's ours. Well, it's been that way since Cheers, at least. Mm-hmm. Like Cheers, if not even earlier than that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, the Sam and Diane rule there has to be two people that you are sitting there screaming, would you two just get together already? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, actually my dad and my mother, my stepmother just finished uh, binging the whole series mm-hmm. and they were singing its praises. Um, the only thing they didn't like about the show left the show. So, um yeah the one character they they just felt never added anything to the show ever um yeah and she and she left and it's sad because i believe that's jordan peele's wife so oh really it's it's sad that that somebody who connected to talent is uh (laughs) is lacking um but it could also be the writing um i don't want to fully blame her um 
But yeah, I, Mike Schur has, has a gift, first with Amy Poehler and then with Andy Samberg, of taking people that SNL made me believe were terrible actors. Yeah. And then showing me, oh no, it's just the thing I keep forgetting that SNL hasn't had good writing on it since Phil Hartman left. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could write a good sketch for Will Ferrell when he was on. But, yeah. The SNL yeah. hasn't had good, consistent writing of an entire episode since Phil Hartman left. Oh, and I will die on that hill. Tina Fey, per, <laughs> Tina Fey is what killed the ability for SNL to ever be good again. With her terrible head writing era, I have no problem saying that, and and being a sh- and just shocking people with that hot take. Um. Before we burn down the whole house, the whole podcast, <laughs> with your hot takes, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. And speaking of ladies and fire, my next one is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, we don't even plan our dumbass segues; they just happened. Yeah, we we live in an organic world of rambling segues. It's just how we roll. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I watched, I, I finally got the chance to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, during quarantine. This movie is brilliant. It is beautiful. It is just so, like, it is, it is like a fine-tooth comb in how it handles everything, how it, how it weaves everything through, um... The, you know, the, the, I mean, the sound work on this film of just heightening all the different, like, f- sounds that normally as, as people we don't hear unless it's at night and we're trying to be quiet. Um, the, the, all those sounds are just heightened in this movie in such a perfect way. The leads just give f- just phenomenal performances. Um, the, the actress who plays the mother, um, who many people know from, I believe it was Rain Man. I get it wrong, but I believe she was in Rain Man. She's, I mean, when she comes into the movie, and it's a, it's a credit to both the writing and her acting, but every single time she shows up, it, you feel tension. You feel yourself getting tense. You feel what's happening in the scene getting tense. Like, you just feel the tension um, in all the right ways. So it's... Yeah, it was just um, just a fantastic movie that, um, I, you know, it it lived up to all the praise and hype I was hearing about for it online, which is very rare. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so, on to, on to my next my next pick. I'd recommend that you watch the movie I just talked about, but let's face it, you don't fucking watch anything I recommend. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make a con, con, you know, a, a serious effort to uh, to to start watching. The I'm gonna, that you I'm gonna, I'm gonna strap your ass to a chair, Clockwork Orange style, and make you watch the entire Faces of Death franchise just as punishment. And the whole time, I'm just going to sit beside you, squirting water at your eyes, going, was that one real? 
was that one real? Was that one staged? Was that one fake? Was that a dummy? Was that a real person? What do you think? 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 We we can't record this show this late because it gets off the rails very quickly. It it does. I'm, but also, just for once, fucking take a recommendation of mine. I will. I will. I I tried with uh, with Harley Quinn. I you know I'm gonna watch an episode of Harley Quinn right after we get off Good. off the phone. Good. <laughs> watch one, two, or the rest of the fucking thing. It's not that much. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, anyway, you're you're number three. You're th- you're third. So speaking of Harley Quinn, and speaking of uh, DC characters, um, the my next two picks can be categorized as shows I fall asleep to, um, because they're shows that I have watched some of or most of before. Um, but especially now, especially after, you know, I'm, I've still been working. Um, you know, I am trying to balance work with, you know, seeing my son with having a girlfriend and, you know, being there for friends and family, you know, socially distanced, of course, but being there emotionally for people. Um, and the, my next two picks are just what I put on to decompress and this is one of my embarrassing picks because it points out how much of a man child I am. But Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go on Hulu is one of my go to. Put it on, watch a couple episodes as I fall asleep, wake up and realize that it's been playing the last 20 some episodes because Hulu doesn't have the feature where it pauses and asks if you're still there. <laughs> but, um,. Teen Titans Go, I mean, it's it's super childish humor. It's super lowbrow um, most of the time. It, I mean, I think it does have some pretty clever jokes and some pretty clever writing when it wants to. Um, but a lot, a lot of the time, it's just... it's <laughs> People don't understand this, why I might enjoy it so much. But it's, it's just an enjoyable show. It's, you know... Um, I like the animation style. It's not at the level of writing that maybe Young Justice is, um, but it's just something I enjoy and something I've been enjoying putting on as I'm trying to wind down and, you know, just drift off. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure your, your love of Teen Titans has come up multiple times on this show at this point, so I don't think you oh, have to... I... I don't think you have to worry too much about outing yourself, so to speak, on this. <laughs> um... Yeah. It's just it's just become something that I have actively, like, you know, put on to to help me go to sleep or to just relax because I just it's just been comforting. Well, and that's the thing. I, I there there has to be absolutely right now with I mean we're less than a month away from this fucking dumpster fire of an election um we we're we're dealing with all of this health stuff going on in the world everyone's got their own personal stuff going on in their lives there really can't be judgment yeah towards anyone for what they're choosing to watch yeah now there's 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 seriously no such thing as a guilty pleasure anymore whether if it brings you pleasure it's 
And so long as you're not hurting anyone, you shouldn't feel any guilt for it. Whatever brings you pleasure or comfort, especially right now, cling to it, embrace it, and just enjoy it as much as you can. Guilty pleasures are are literally just an essential tool for survival Mm -hmm. in this day and age. Um, Yeah. It's why I've watched Sorcerer's Apprentice more times than I care to talk about. Is that on friggin' Disney Disney Plus Plus? yet? I I think it's on there now. Oh my god. I also have it on Blu-ray, so anytime you need to borrow it, just let me know. Uh, I might have to... (laughs) You're gonna be... you, you think I'm joking, but I literally might drive to where you are just to pick it up. <laughs> also, it'll put me close enough to a Long John Silver's to go, well, since I'm near it. <laughs> I miss my Long John Silver's. It's good eating. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, you, the person groaning while listening to this show. I can fucking hear you in the future. <laughs> Long John's is delicious. Fuck off. To the person on there saying, hell yeah, crunchies are the shit. Yes, they are. See, I can fucking hear everyone. <laughs> yes, I am kind of tired and have yet to eat today, even though it is after midnight. I don't oh, give yeah, a no, shit. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting dinner after we're done recording. Yes, yes, I'm going to finally cook dinner after, after recording. I'm excited about that. Um, don't you love a show that isn't capable of editing? Everyone, oh, no. <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs> but as, as far as, as far, well, it's going to just finish real quick with my thoughts on Teen Titan. I it's mm-hmm. never something I've really delved into, um, just because whether it's Teen Titan, Young Justice, Young Avengers, you know, just to make sure people don't think it's a, a DC only thing, it's a Marvel and DC thing. These yeah. groups where their main hook is their teens or younger. It's hard for me to swallow. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to dive in. It's hard for me to get on board. Um, because I re like, I, I am, I, I am at the age where I've had enough happen in my life that if I have to sit there and watch something, that's a bunch of teenagers complaining about something, even if it's the end of the world, literally, a part of my brain is going to go, oh, you, you have no fucking idea, you stupid little <laughs> shit. <laughs> I get to the point where I just get bitter. Like, <laughs> like, well, I know, have you have you seen uh, Teen Titans go to the movies? Yeah, because I do believe that's on HBO uh, Max. I have not, but if it is, someday. It's, I know that I've talked to you about this, either on the show or in person, but you need to watch it specifically for the scene where they go back in time because they go back in time to stop all the tragedies that befall the superheroes and their parents in particular to make it so they are not no longer superheroes. Mm -hmm. And then they come back to the, to the present and everything's a mess and they have to go back in time to reverse everything they've done. And the funniest scene happens and I can't believe they put it in a PG rated film where they, go to push the the Waynes into Crime Alley, but before doing so, put the pearls on Martha before pushing her into Crime Alley. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and it's a in a film intended pretty much exclusively for children. That's... I, I support that. 
Um, but I have to say, with with my daughter having fallen in love with SpongeBob SquarePants, mm-hmm. um, the, it, it's hilarious to me just how much kid stuff truly does have. We're not even trying to hide it, but we know you're not going to get it. Adult jokes. Oh yeah. They, there have been there have been a couple of times where my wife is like, I really don't want her watching it too much because there's really some content, and I'm and I've I flat out gone like, okay, unless she understands what this thing is conceptually, she's not gonna get the joke. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Like, If if our daughter does not know what prison rape is, <laughs> she's not going to get a prison rape joke. That prison rape joke shouldn't exist on the show <laughs> because it's not something to to be just making jokes about. I know, it's, but I'm tired. I know specifically so it's the exact the scene you're talking yep. about in SpongeBob. Yeah, the blooms. The blooms. Don't drop Don't them. Drop them. <laughs> yes, I've also had to work on my incredibly crappy impressions for SpongeBob Patrick. I mean, Good at least you took a stab at it. I didn't even try to do an affectation. I, I'm expected to do them at times. Um, if my daughter declares that I'm one of the characters, uh, it's really important to my sanity that I just <laughs> do the voice and not incur her wrath. Yeah, because my daughter—it's not even that that it'll be a wrath. It'll be my sister, or it'll be my daughter, just repeating it over and over and over and over again. She'll just repeat herself until I give in. And there's only so long I can have someone repeat something to me over and over again before I just mentally snap. Yeah. So. <laughs> but on that note, let's continue. Um, so it's time for my number three. My number. Th- n- Number yes. three is uh, blind spotting. Okay. Um, this movie was th- this was one of the most intense films I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. and that's just for the last like ten fifteen minutes of the movie. Yep. The rest of the movie is good, and to be clear, there's nothing super for lack of a nicer way to put it original about up until the last like 10-15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. but every the characters are so specifically written and so brilliantly acted that it's the whole Pixar thing where there there isn't a single Pixar movie that has an original plot but they put in original characters and environments and that's what makes the movie original um, and this movie was the same way. And then you get to th- those la- that last part of the movie, and it was one of those things where I couldn't sit. I was not comfortable sitting still, yeah. watching watching the end of this movie. I had to get up and pace and like have the hands like on the top of my head, and then over you know like. The clinging to the back of my neck and all sorts of different things because it was stressing me out yeah. so much. But it was amazing. And it really showed where this movie just got overlooked by so many people. Not even talking awards. Just in general, watching the movie, it got so overlooked. Yeah. Where did you watch that on? It was is that on a streaming service? It it was on HBO Max. I'm not sure if it's on there anymore. 
Okay. Um, I haven't checked just because I watched it. Um, yeah. After 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 I watch a movie, it's usually a while before I watch it again. Um, just because I want that distance. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if it's still on HBO Max. Oh, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire is on Hulu. I don't know if it still is, but it was on Hulu. Uh, so, but, yeah, blind, blind spotting. If you're going to look for it, check HBO Max first. Okay. Alright, what is your fourth one? Um, fourth one also, yeah, continues the trend of things I kind of fall asleep to. Um, but... Uh, the League was one of my favorite shows on uh, FX whenever it was whenever it was on. Um, and I remember I had watched it up until its fourth or fifth season maybe, but I feel like it has more. Um, so I'm kind of watching it um, also to catch up to the point where I probably fell off and continue watching on because... Um, although it doesn't, it's not as great in its later seasons, I think up until season four or five, it's some hilarious improv. It's some hilarious, uh, chemistry between the cast. Um, Mark Duplass, uh, Nick Kroll, um, I can't remember. Paul Shear. The guy, Paul Shear, thank you, who plays Andre, um, it's just a lot of very talented comedians, very talented writers. Um, and you can tell most of the time when they're, you know, you know, jacking each other off, they're just riffing the entire time. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a show that leans heavily on improv, um, and usually to, to its benefit. Um, I think it's, it's just, a, all around, it's a really easy watch, um, but it's also just very funny. It's one of those shows where they have a ton of inside jokes, um, so it's one of the ones you have to watch from season one just to understand, you know, everything they're they're talking about. Um, but it's it's um, it's a show that is about a group of guys in a fantasy football league, and I'm not one who enjoys football. I don't typically watch many sports. Um, but the fantasy football league is really just the backdrop. You don't need to have an interest or an understanding of, of football to, to really be interested in the show. Um, so it's one that I have been watching. Um, you know, I kind of put the, put the show on in the background or as I'm going to sleep, but, um, you know, as I get to the point where I think I, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with the episode. I've I've been trying to engage with it a little bit more. Yeah i I watched the pilot a while back, mm-hmm. and just couldn't bring myself to keep watching the show. Um, part of it's because, uh, and it might just be that the pilot was a little bit more heavy on it just to establish things, but I couldn't connect with the show because I don't watch any sports. I don't yeah. follow any sports. I think fantasy football is makes no logical sense to me. Um yeah. <laughs> as 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 a as a thing to participate in. Yeah. Um and honestly that's that's the 
joke a lot of the time is that these guys have nothing better to do than to be way too invested into fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. But the the other thing for me is just that I um I am not in, in, by my nature I am not a competitive person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I usually don't win game like if I'm playing a board game with people I rarely win. I am more likely to get bored, find ways to entertain myself with the game, and then lose because of it, but be okay with it because it means I'm done playing the game. Yeah. I'm, that happens to me more than me winning because I'm just not competitive by my nature, and I often find intense competitive... People being intensely competitive against each other often is a huge turnoff for me, both in what what I'm watching and people I interact with. So a show that's just people like running around with tape measures out, <laughs> insulting each other, um, it, it it's something that kind of goes against what I naturally like to be around. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a big Paul Shear fan. I'm a big Nick Kroll fan. Um, I, I'm big fans of their stuff, but you know, it's, it's just not, it's not for me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So what is your number four pick? Uh, my number four pick, uh, I watched this also on HBO and this is life. The, uh, not the, the sci-fi one. This is the dark comedy starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Okay. Uh, where they are two gentlemen in Prohibition era who get sent to prison for life for a crime they didn't commit. And it just follows the rest of their life. And this was a movie that had been recommended to me by a good friend that I worked with a um, year or so ago. And I had always wanted to see the movie, but it was one that I just that just never seemed to show up anywhere. So I never, I never, like it was one of those movies I felt like I never even saw it to rent back when rental places were were on their, like, dime breath. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, when I saw it was on, on HBO, I got really excited. Um, it was one of those rare times where I was like, okay, well, I'm not even, like, saving this for later. I'm watching this right now because I've wanted to watch this. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Uh, there isn't a bad performance in the whole movie. The pacing is fantastic. Um, the, the comedy is right where it should be and how it should be. Like, this is a, a really well-crafted film, but my own, my only big issue with the movie, and it, it, it's big enough that in my, in my rating on Letterboxd, I gave it a four out of five instead of just giving it a five. Mm-hmm. But my only, my uh, only honest issue with this movie is about two-thirds of the way in, maybe maybe not even that far into the movie, 
we just kind of ditch all but one person in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. They all like suddenly, with the exception of one supporting character, we get rid of all the others. Gotcha. Um, and it just, um, it bummed me out because the the movie had got me invested in all of them as well. Mm-hmm. And there's some some legitimately beautifully powerful moments in this movie, despite it being a comedy. Um, and so it played, you know, it plays through nicely, and it's it's got phenomenal social commentary to it. And so yeah, yeah, it's just, it's um, it's it's one that if if it's still on, it's one of those movies that I honestly would just flat out say, if it's not on a, on a streaming service, just, just go on Amazon Prime and rent it. I don't know how much it is to rent it on there, but it's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. It's like, it is easily my favorite Eddie Murphy film. And it is undoubtedly the best performance I've ever seen from Martin Lawrence. Gotcha. That'll be one I have to check out. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Alright, what is your what is your fifth and final? Uh, my fifth and final is one that I took way too long to uh, finally get around to seeing. Um, but it is probably the best movie that I've seen uh, during quarantine, uh, granted, I haven't watched a whole lot, especially of anything new. Um, but my fifth and final one is Peanut Butter Falcon, um, with, of course, uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, is that Dakota Fanning in that or not? Dakota um, Johnson. Dakota Johnson, thank you. Um, but it's one that uh, that I watched somewhat recently, um, and. It's a really fucking feel good movie. It's uh, um, have you have you seen it? I I still need to watch it. I I can't deny that I I still haven't watched it. It's it's really good. I mean, I can't you know I'm not gonna throw any shade or anything. I have you know it, I it took me far too long to to watch it myself. Um, but it it just it's a movie that had a lot more um a lot more stakes than i expected a lot more heart than i expected um and you you can see in the trailers that it um right on the surface it has a ton of heart um it's you know for anyone who doesn't know it's about a uh a young boy with um i believe he has down syndrome um and or uh, autism maybe, but, uh, he wants to be a professional wrestler and, um, Shia LaBeouf is on the run from people in his hometown and they kind of, you know, meet each other through certain, you know, crazy circumstances and Shia LaBeouf agrees to, to take him to this wrestling school down South and I think somewhere in Florida, um, but the movie takes you places that you don't necessarily expect to go. And, um, you just see this, this relationship develop between these two people. And, um, it's, it just has a ton of heart and it, um, 
you know, it's it's really good. It's a you know, it's a feel good movie, but um, it does feel like it has stakes. It does feel like it um, has weight. Um, but it was a it was a really really enjoyable watch, and probably you know one of the one of the things of, of substance that I that I've watched uh, during <laughs> quarantine. One of the things that I'm more more proud to say that I have finally got <laughs> got around to watch. <laughs> so, how about your last one? Uh, well, my last one is uh, it's on Hulu right now. It's the other lamb which I believe I've talked about on the show before, but uh, it bears repeating that this is a dark, um, not quite a horror film, but you're not really sure what genre to say it is, film about a cult. Um, this is the, I mean, this is, if you found, if you're like us and you found Midsummer to be pretentious and up its ass and far too convinced that it was clever when it really wasn't. Um, this is the movie about a cult for you. Uh, it does not try to be overly clever. It does not try to say more than what it's saying to you right there at face value. The characters are relatable. The characters are interesting. You are not just looking at all of them and going, you make no logical sense existing. Please just skip to your death. Um, <laughs> fuck Midsummer. Just want to reestablish that. Uh, yeah, you will not see us ever doing any more movies that that guy made. But The Other <laughs> Lamb is is fantastic. It's got a, a phenomenal cast. It stars um, the actress best known as the little British robot girl from Tomorrowland, the Brad Bird, George Clooney Disney film. Uh, the little British robot girl that's like a through line of the movie. Uh, it's her grown up more. Um just giving one hell of a performance. Um, and yeah, I, like, it's one of those movies that I'm really glad I watched it, and I'm even more glad that my wife, who was kind of interested in the concept when I told her about it, wasn't there. Because, again, it's a movie that she would have made it, like, 15, 20 minutes into before just anxiously getting up and going, nope, I'm out, I'm out, I gotta go, tell me how it ends, I gotta go. <laughs> I even told her that. I was like, I'm really glad I watched it, and I'm even more glad you didn't. Because <laughs> anyone, anyone who's married or in a long-term, like, living-together relationship knows there is nothing worse than when you convince your significant other to watch something that they don't like. And not just, you know, it wasn't my thing, but, like, either hated it or it had something about it that rubbed them the wrong way or something like that. Yeah. Um, everyone dreads that. <laughs> um, now, do you, um, do you have any like quick little honorable mentions that you want to, um, there? yeah, there's, uh, I have, <laughs> I feel like plenty of honorable mentions. Um, there's plenty of stuff that I have tried to start this quarantine or, um, you know, got 
just a couple episodes into or, or, you know, a little bit into that I didn't feel justified putting on this list. Um, I, like I said, I've watched a couple episodes of uh, the Harley Quinn animated series. Um, I've also watched a, like the first episode or so of uh, High Score, the um, Netflix uh, video game documentary series. Um, I think the first episode of The Last Dance about the um, Chicago Bulls final, uh, you know, run for the playoffs, basically. Um, Sports. Yeah, yeah, that, that one <laughs> didn't keep my interest <laughs> to, for too long. Um, but yeah, there's, and, and, you know, I feel like a lot of people probably, again, are in the same boat that I am. Um, you know, it's, it's maybe hard to get invested into a new thing when you want something that is familiar and comforting. Um, but I think if you take a look at my list, it's a lot less compelling than Tom's list. I think there's something to be said for about going out of your comfort zone and, and finding something new and interesting and, and, and something to engage with. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously, um, you know, the, the stuff that comforts us or the stuff that gives us a, a sort of escape, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a place for all of that, but there's also a need, especially right now to be informed, um, to be current, to be understanding of the world around you, to be understanding of, um, you know, events, uh, current events in your, in your town, in your country, in your world. Um, so I think, you know, while we are a, a podcast that focuses on film and television and sometimes video games and everything else in between, um, I think it's important for people to also, although the news is sometimes very hard to watch, uh, I think that is also important to try to keep in mind right now as well. Um, a really easy way to do that is to watch something like um, Last Week Tonight or to watch, you know, uh, who's on Daily Show now? Um, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, yeah. To, to watch The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. You know, they put most of their clips on YouTube. Uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, they, they put, um, you know, their their main story that's a half an hour long, you know, they, put, they, they upload all of that to YouTube. I don't think it's ever been any easier to stay informed to to be current on the important issues of of what's happening um day to day so while we are you know telling you to stay entertained and and try to stay sane um i think it is important to also stay informed absolutely it's also just worth watching uh last week tonight because it's uh phenomenally well-written show oh, absolutely it's um, one of the most well-written new shows in a, maybe ever <laughs> it's, basically it carried on it the the hole that got left in losing john stewart from him leaving the daily show mm. got truly got filled mm. with last week tonight yeah um we i actually uh, i own on prime video i own um, 
season, all but season four and the current season of Last Week Tonight. I mm. own them, so I can watch them whenever. Uh, because, one, HBO, for some reason, only keeps a year's worth of episodes of their own fucking show, which is annoying <laughs> as shit. Um, but two, it's, it's a show that I fully intend when my daughter gets older to go, yeah, this is what was going on in the world. Yeah. Like, this is what was happening right before you, right before, like, around the time that mommy and daddy got married. This is what was happening around the time that, that mommy was pregnant with you. This is what was happening. I mean, she'll probably be older than me calling her, saying mommy, but, (laughs) um... But, you know, like, being able to show her things like, yeah, this is what was going on. This is what was going on in the world. You know, whatever's going on with technology at that point in time, to be able to show her, like, this was the kind of stuff we were dealing with when it came to technology and cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. Like, this is what we were dealing with. You know, this is the kind of stuff, you know, you're going to watch this and you're going to learn about a few things that you're not going to get taught about in school that you need to learn about before going out into the world like payday loans and, and predatory lending and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there, there, there has been no show that has been more concise and insightful, particularly about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. John Oliver last week tonight, their coronavirus series, like how each week has been entitled coronavirus, coronavirus two, coronavirus three. There, there has been no show that I can turn to to be like this is probably the most informative show right now. Yeah. Like this is the show that makes me the most aware, that makes me the most conscientious, that makes me the most to that makes me feel like I have the best understanding and the best tools to tackle a global problem. Yeah. And also, and also to their credit, um, with, with their deep dives, you know, obviously each episode, they, they cover everything that's happened importantly, but like, I think coronavirus, the third episode they did a deep dive on the coronavirus on, Mm -hmm. it was specifically about how it was affecting unemployment and essential workers you know, they, you know, one of the ones that they did was specifically just about, um, you know, how the rest of the world is tackling it, I think. Yeah. Um, there's one, there's been one on, uh, renters and, and like how renters are getting fucked over because they're already being taken to court when they can't even, you know, they're not working. Like it's, it's, um, you know, I mean, I just, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's incredibly insightful. Um, I, I, I highly recommend his show. It's Wolverine Through Time, and the other thing, and this is something that he clearly, that that he, like Stephen Colbert, learned from Jon Stewart, because this was what made Jon Stewart work, is the sense of proportion. You know, if if Jon Stewart, and now John Oliver and, and Steve Carell, if, if they were telling a story where they were constantly making jokes, they were constantly laughing themselves. You know, I knew it doesn't matter how much coverage any media outlet gives this, I know I don't need to worry this much about it 
They just yeah. explained it to me. They just explained to me why it's not a big deal. And they made me laugh, so I know it's not something to stress about. Yeah. But God forbid you were a story that they wanted you to take really, really seriously. Yeah. Um, the times were, like, I still remember watching Jon Stewart trying to talk about how first responders had to prove they weren't terrorists before maybe before starting the process to try to qualify to get any sort of medical assistance. Yeah. I still remember watching him covering that. He like the tension in the room was palpable because there was no humor left in him for it. Yeah. There was no happiness, no joy left in him for it. It was something that needed to be taken seriously. And it was something that he was legitimately angry about. Um, and and you see that with John Oliver as well, where you, you see those moments where he tries to make the joke or doesn't even bother with a joke, and you just see legitimate anger yeah. in his eyes or legitimate sadness and pain at something that was just watched. Yeah, um, and it, nothing. <laughs> there's no better way to drive a point home than when John Oliver says something to the effect of, "And this sounds serious because it is." Like, and there's, and like, it just carries such weight, and you feel like a pin, like you could hear a pin drop in that studio. Yeah, yeah. When when something when something is really really serious he often will re- they'll make sure that that segment itself doesn't end on even a joke mm-hmm. let alone like one of their bits like if yeah. you, i mean if you've never watched the show they've literally made a gigantic marble cake to piss off a a, a essentially a dictator um yeah. <laughs> they they have um They've created their own church. They have created their own debt collecting business. They have um, shut down the FCC website on a couple of occasions. Um, <laughs> they have. It, well, it's it's they've also created mascots I... for not just themselves, but the tobacco industry and for Japan. Um, and and I I think this is this is the point you're trying to make, but it's an incredibly funny show too. Well, um, it's, when it's it, not even just that I'm saying that it's funny; it's unpredictable. Yeah, like yeah. this. It's one of those things where if you were to watch the show from the beginning, like they were so committed to like taking what they were doing seriously. Their second episode, their their deep dive in their second episode is the death penalty. And they, literally, they acknowledge, like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hold on, this is only your second episode. I haven't even decided if I like this show yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they go from that, and just from there, just the things they start to do on this show, and the things they start to do once HBO says, yeah, sure, we'll give you some of that Game of Thrones money. We can yeah. we can throw that around frivolously, <laughs> um, and you see some of the things that they have bought over the mm. years. It's <laughs> insane. 
but uh, I feel like we took we took that in a, in a different direction. Was, yeah. <laughs> is there any anything else else that you've been using to cope or or that you want to you know um, talk about? Mainly just the the TV shows that I threw out earlier in the episode. Um, I've I've watched I've watched a lot of. I've watched a lot of TV shows that I've watched before that I know make me laugh that, um, that hearing the jokes, just hearing the jokes makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I know the joke is coming. (laughs) Uh, so there's been a, been a lot of watching that. I, I have to get into like just the right kind of mood and place to watch stuff that's not happy right now. Yeah. Um, this just basically proves that there were five instances of that <laughs> so far. Um, and legitimately, I think these might be the only five instances where, mm. you know, I might have watched something new, but it was something that was supposed to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not it was, it was supposed to be. Um, these these are like the the only real five instances of me going, yeah, I'm going to watch something that's not supposed to make me sit here and, and laugh and giggle. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy I did because, the, you know, all five of these are amazing movies. Um, yeah. But, yeah, beyond that, I occasionally bust out my... I have, like, over 2,000 movies on my watch list on Letterboxd. Uh, so I'll, I'll minimize it to just short films occasionally and sit there on YouTube and just work my way through them um, and knock out like five or six of them. So, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I added, I mean, there are the movies that I actually knew I wanted to watch and then there were the movies that, for me, wanting to watch everything on the National Film Registry is basically, oh, no, you're watching this. Not a, (laughs) I don't know if I want to watch it. It's a, no, you're going to watch it. Um... So I, you know, I have some of those movies on there, and that definitely bulks up my 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 watch list pretty pretty handily. Um, if you're ever looking for, in all seriousness, if if anyone listening, if you're ever looking to be one of those people going, I think I'm gonna like, you know, start watching all the movies on a list. Don't do the AFI 100. It's, it's a it's a shitty like. It's a shitty pop culture list. Don't do the IMD, IMDb top 100 or top 250, whatever it is. It's a like it's literally the Wikipedia of film ranking is IMDb's mm-hmm. ratings. Um, <laughs> National Film Registry is where is where you want to go because you're getting films that have been chosen based off of testimony to be inducted in, to be preserved for basically as long as America survives. So for the next, I don't know, a week or so. Um, it depends, about, it depends on the outcome of the election. That is going to play a part of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, you're getting these movies, you, you, and you're getting a variety. And the other thing I like about the National Film Registry a film cannot be considered for induction until the movie is 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So you can't get, like, they people can't submit, um, you know, 
last year, people couldn't sit there and be like, I think Joker should be in the National Film Registry. Yeah. You know, they have to wait 10 years before they, before they get rejected for having a terrible fucking idea. Um, <laughs> and have the written word taken away from them since they're obviously not using it properly. Um, fuck that movie. <laughs> but yeah. Alright. I, yeah. I'm gonna st- st- stop with my, my super mean ramblings now because I'm just, I'm getting, I'm getting mean. I'm lashing out. I'm ready to, I'm ready to cook some food, put my feet up and, and play some violent video game. There you go. To, to let it all out of my system. I just finished all the DLC. I just finished all the DLC in Borderlands 3. And then, of course, today they make a fucking announcement that more DLC is coming. And I thought we were done. So I'm just like, son of a... Like, yay, more content for one of my favorite game franchises, but also, fuck you. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Again, you know, we're really enjoying doing this. Um... Over the course of the next week or so, we are obviously going to try to um, continue with the cons- consistency. Uh, with my new job starting, we'll have to figure out what that means exactly for uh, when we record and things of that nature. But um, we'll try to continue with uh, some level of consistency, weekly consistency for the show for you guys. Um I do want to give a quick special shout out. A uh, couple nights ago, I joined the team over at Geek Salad to uh, to participate in their 200th episode. So, just want to give a special congrats to those guys. I do yeah, not congrats. know when the episode will be airing, but make sure to keep an eye out for it. Um, I don't know what all. Mike is going to cut out, but I'm sure I gave him plenty of editing options <laughs> uh, during the episode. But uh, regardless, there there's still going to be a lot of good stuff on there to, to listen to. So, um, Duas, do you have any any final final words? Um, I mean we've we've said it before. Um, I mean, I think it's it's getting down to the wire, and I most people understand how important selection is. But again, keep yourself informed. Vote, vote, vote. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani and his wife um, just had a Instagram live video the other day, and um, even someone who is as beloved in the film industry and in the uh, comedy industry as Kamel Nanjiani. Um, you know, he said something on, on the Instagram live video yesterday that like, you know, really, really was felt powerful. And he said that, um, you know, the, the outcome of this election is going to determine for me and for a lot of people who look like me, if they feel welcomed in this country anymore. Um, and, this is this is the time to pick a side and hopefully be on the right side of history. Um, and people are understanding that, and people are probably sick of hearing about you know getting registered to vote or voting or whatever it might be. Um, 
but it for however big or small a platform we have, I think it's our responsibility to say that you need to go out and vote um, and vote for, you know, vote for a person who you think is going to bring about a positive change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, vote in the way that makes you comfortable. If that means mail-in, do it. If that means putting a mask on and going into a polling place, do that. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, vote in the way that makes you comfortable and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, chances are, if you are not registered to vote, you are too late. But uh, if you are not registered to vote and you would like to, check. Just make sure to check. Um, yep. I, in Pennsylvania, I believe we have three more days before the cutoff for registering to vote. Um, I mean, I'm registered. I just had to update my, my information since I moved, since I got, since the last time I updated it, which I I don't know, bounced around a lot. Um, but I'm I'm in that boat too. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, just. Make sure, you know, vote, um, vote your conscience, vote who you think is going to be right. Vote, I mean, honestly, the big thing right now is vote based off of your belief of how we get out of this COVID crisis. Yeah. Um, the rea- the reality is that any other topic, any other issue, um, that's politically on the table, whether it be abortion, the Supreme Court, healthcare, any of that stuff. Uh, none of it matters if we don't get out of the weeds that we're in right now. So um, that's my personal two cents on it. And I won't, I won't say any, I won't drag people into, into it anymore. Um, But yeah, um, guys, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at movies work. It's usually me on there rambling and ranting about things. (laughs) Um, and I apologize for that to a certain extent. Um, you can also email us if you have more thoughts, moviesafterwork at gmail.com. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of dusty in that email account. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) I, I check it every now and then and go, Oh, universal (laughs) wants to let me know about trolls world tour being available on Peacock. Shut up. <laughs> but also, thank you for talking. Oh, you're an ad. Never mind. Um, but yeah, so those are, the, those are the ways that you guys can get in touch with us. As always, for Movies After Work, I'm Thomas Green. I'm Alex Duas. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. Be safe. And have a good day at work. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.